Jonathan, I'd like to, to thank you for joining me today. And I'm here with um, Assistant Professor of Sociology, Jonathan Cox from UCF, one of our uh, very many colleagues who is deep into critical race theory. And I asked him to join me for this conversation and he has agreed to. Would you mind introducing uh, yourself to people who might not know you and talk a little bit about your research background? Sure, sure. Thank you for having me as well, Robert. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to join you for this. Um, and so for folks who might not know me, I'm fairly new to UCF. Um, I, this is, uh, I think, the end of my fourth year <laughs> as an assistant professor here. Um, and so I, in sociology, I broadly consider myself to be a race scholar. Um, and so I, I merely go about that because for me, I think that race is one of the most meaningful uh, concepts, right, constructions that we could think about um, in current times right and so i really i just kind of funnel everything that i'm doing through the lens of race right just how does race impact things or how is people's racial identities racial experiences you know how does how is that impacted by whatever else that i might be looking at so i don't study only race but i do look at that as kind of a central feature um and so you know with that i think about things like racial ideologies really big into like the, the new forms of racism that we see you know how racism has shifted and changed over time i mean and most recently too looking at you know, different issues with just diversity and inclusion processes at different places like institutions or in, in the workplace so what are the classes you teach that uh, address race or address race as a central feature would you say Sure. Uh, so for at the undergraduate level, um, I teach a class that's you know, appropriately titled race and ethnicity. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of just a broad uh, survey of race as it has happened, you know, sociologically speaking, you know, in the United States, um, historically, and uh, most importantly, contemporarily, we, we kind of get into that. Um, I also created a course um, on race and social media. And so we look at, you know, the ways that race and racism are embedded in and are experienced in social media platforms or in web spaces in general. Um, at the grad level, I also, I actually will be teaching a class specifically on critical race theory coming up um, in spring, in the next uh, spring semester. Um, and then I, again, since I, I look at education as another area that I'm really big on, that's where my background was. And so in my education courses in, at the grad level two, um, one of the central features we look at is race. We look at race, class, and gender, and kind of the, the how education is impacted by those. So all those different things. And so some of the classes that I teach with regards to race. All right, great. So, I mean, you'll be fielding a lot of this, uh, let's say, inquiry when we return in the fall, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think just to kind of uh, preface our conversation here, I think uh, people get the political context of the attack on mm -hmm. um, critical race theory. So I don't really want to have um, a conversation, you know, that, that everyone sort of has access to in, in the mm -hmm. current media. And uh, what I want to talk about um, is what we should be doing in regards to teaching, research, and advocacy as scholars and professors on, on campus at UCF. So um, to kind of lead us off here, let's talk about the classroom first. Um, believe it or not, but I've actually had chemistry professors and biology professors approach me within the last couple of weeks who are concerned that they in their classes, you know, might be restricted from conversations they wish to have, which I kind of floored me because I thought it would mostly be in the arts, humanities, or the social sciences where sure. we would find these concerned professors. But no, 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 that's not true. At least people in the hard sciences are also concerned about the ways in which um, these efforts might restrict the conversations they wish to have um, mm -hmm. in the classroom. 
Um, so what would you say to an instructor grappling with this? Like what, what would you say they could do, they shouldn't do or anything like that? What advice would you give? Sure. So, I mean, I, I kind of would echo your surprise, but in, in a positive way as well. Like, I think it's great that, you know, people in other areas that we might not expect are wondering if, you know, a ban on being able to teach topics like critical race theory is going to impact them, right? That to me suggests that they are really thinking about, you know, their field and their own understanding and then what they can do with it. So that's, I mean, that's fantastic. Um, so, I mean, I think some of the things that, you know, folks like that can do um, is is one kind of consider the broadness of, of some of these bands. And, and that may sound like uh, maybe a more of a limitation, um, but in the broadness, there's huge ambiguity, right? Some of the language that is used in, in not only the Florida's band, but other states that have done similar, you know, have enacted similar legislation, it doesn't even really specify like what can or can't be used. And so that's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Where, you know, they can, people can kind of come after folks and try to, use a broad umbrella to cover what they might be teaching. Um, but then again, that also gives a lot of leeway. Um, and so effectively what many of us are looking at doing is just maybe shifting some of the language um, that we're using when we're talking about different things, right? And so you can cover, at most teachers, right? Professors, teachers, anybody that teaches folks kind of know that you can continue to talk about a particular topic from, topic from many different ways, right? You have different avenues. Um, and a lot of that is because of historical processes that prevent people from being able to say or do certain things in specific ways, right? Like this isn't necessarily anything new. This is just a new iteration of the same things we've experienced before. And so maybe think about approaching the topics you want from a different angle, right? So maybe don't use some of the, the quote unquote buzzwords that you know, people have been throwing around in particular for the, this past year, um, right? So maybe approaching it from different angles, um, thinking about your problems that you're presenting more broadly, um, and, and kind of just engaging students in conversations. Um, I also really like to, to think about engaging students and, uh, you know, trying to critically engage students and thinking about their own thought processes and their own ideas, right? So that's an invitation for people who may have different perspectives or different ideas, um, whether they're things they really believe in or they're still learning about, to talk about that, right? That's one of the things I do in my own classes. I create space to invite folks to share. What are some of the misconceptions you might have, some of the myths you might believe in, and let's talk about them, right? Let's see what's fact, what's not, kind of parse that out. Um, and so I think folks can do that in their various areas um, by, again, you know, just thinking like, let me step back and approach it from a different angle. Instead of coming at it straight on like I might normally, if I'm concerned about language or how people are going to respond to me, maybe I can come around it from the back or the side, right? And just have a slightly different conversation where you're talking about the same things, um, but just maybe in a different way. Sure, sure. So, like, you know, one of the things you had said, I think, I, I probably been employing for years. So I teach, you know, I teach civil rights and I, you know, I research and write about um, race as well. Yeah. But, um, you know, I've never, not that I've, I've read critical race theory, but I've never employed the term in any professional way in the classroom or in my own, um, you know, my own publications. But I do specifically say and use the terms, structural racism or institutional racism and then talk about that and give examples of that provide evidence of that you know what i mean and you know my students and i at least you know have these conversations you know which you know i don't want to you know get it is that the same thing or not or what but i mean certainly you know uh, students do want to engage those topics and do want to talk about these things i mean i think you know in, in the world the Florida governor exists and some of these politicians in Tallahassee exist is just kind of a fantasy and they just don't mm -hmm. understand um, 
students, you know, in, in the way that we do since we interact with them, you know, Absolutely. on a frequent basis. Yeah. Okay. So, so if we can move on to research then. Mm -hmm. um, so if we think about these same ideas um, and, you know, you, you research and publish on race, I research and publish mm -hmm. on race. And, you know, um, as I mentioned, you know, uh, I, I would be more apt to employ, you know, alternative terms to um, critical race theory. But is this giving you at all a, a sense of pause for your own future research? Would you um, be apt to, to be a little more circumspect? And, and what would you say to, if someone came up to you and said, I'm doing this research, but I think it, this isn't the right time to publish this? What would you, what sure. would you tell them? Yeah, and it's, it's really interesting because that's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, and one of the observations I've made is that right, I, even in my own PhD program, right, I literally studied critical race theory. It was one of my substantive areas. Um, but what's interesting is other than this past, I would say, six months, maybe, I never even thought to identify myself like, as a critical race theorist, right, or even said that. And I've, you know, many publications that I put out. I'm trying to think of any that I actually, like you said, employed the words critical race theory, right? Um, and so, again, what you end up doing, and if you actually understand critical race theory, right, if you, like you're saying, people can kind of go out and look into that stuff, then you see it's really just a tool for understanding things, right? And so it's, a, it's an underlying theoretical perspective. And if we think about all the theoretical perspectives that people use, they typically don't employ them in the ways that people are trying to suggest that folks do with critical race theory. And so for me, I kind of, I'm just, I think there's that pause because it's like, well, people are talking about it now and there seems to be like consequences somehow being set up. But again, when I think about it and the way I publish, I'm, I don't really say those things. I don't talk about them in the same ways. I just talk about if my article is about racism in, in a broad sense or in some specific area, I'm talking about that, right? And so I may be coming from that perspective broadly, but you're not gonna see those words. And so I don't know that I would change anything necessarily, um, you know, right, in terms of the research that I'm doing because I don't necessarily posture it in those ways, unless I'm doing so like intentionally, right, as a, a, for a particular publication or for a particular audience, um, or if I'm whatever, if I was writing something that was specifically about critical race theory, like I'm not very likely to actually use those. And if you read much of the literature where critical race theory is as, as actually used and brought out, they don't really do that either, right? Like unless the book is about critical race theory, they're just, talking about whatever aspect of, you know, society, history, et cetera, that, that they normally do. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I don't think it's really going to change much. I think, you know, and I might be wrong, and you, please mm -hmm. correct me if, if I'm wrong, but I kind of think critical race theory was a term that came about for an idea that was already around, right? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. right? It's, and it, you know, yeah. grew out of the critical legal studies, you know, all that good stuff. Right, right? critical so, legal studies, yeah. but if you think about, like, you know, the works of, um, you know, um, William Julius Wilson, you know, the declining yeah. significance of race, that's all, I mean, yeah, exactly, that's all institutional right. racism and structural racism. And there were his predecessors to that, mm -hmm. right? That Absolutely. So yeah. The idea was out there without the term, and then the term came mm -hmm. along as a way, a shorthand maybe, or maybe to employ it in a very specific niche way that, yeah, absolutely. That's, and I would agree with that, right? We see, we see aspects of what we now call critical race theory, which you're pointing out, right? Throughout history, we go back to, you know, Du Bois even, right? Like people who have been doing this hundreds of years ago, right? At the very beginning of some from our social right. science, I mean, doing the same stuff. Right, didn't they employ the term race man? Like one was a race man? Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. Du Bois and others, yeah, that whole generation. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, they're right. The whole Atlanta Sociological Laboratory, right. like there were all these things that were happening, like you're saying, where people were using these methods. And what we end up seeing, not just with critical race theory, but lots of other things, is that over time, somebody kind of coins the phrase that maybe speaks for this, where they pull together all these different theories and say, hey, like these people were doing very similar things. And now I'm just going to, here's an overarching way to explain it. Right. And so, yeah, it's, again, people are focusing on the term um, kind of to the exclusion of what it actually means yeah. and what it's actually right. used for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ignorance has no bounds, right? <laughs> that's, that's what we've learned from this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to kind of put it in a, in a much more personal context to the individual who might be listening to this podcast, you know, um, we address academic freedom in our collecting a bargaining collective bargaining agreement. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's enshrined in there. So we do have academic freedom. We know that UCF recognizes this. So um, people should not fear um, doing their due diligence in their research and their teaching as they wish, because the collective bargaining agreement will protect them um, no matter what mm -hmm. uh, a governor or a state legislator might say. Um, but, and this is what I'd like to propose to you is what do we do as an ally to those who don't have the protection of academic freedom? And I'm thinking about like the K through 12 teachers, you know, who are going to be, you know, quote unquote, indoctrinated <laughs> by um, Governor, Governor DeSantis in this new effort to teach civics the right way, right? Which mm -hmm. is to disabuse them of critical race theory. And they're gonna be paid $3,000 um, if, they, if they do this workshop, right? Sure. So um, I know there's a, there's a lot of K through 12 teachers out there. And again, they don't have the academic freedom protections mm -hmm. that we do at UCF. Um, you know, so what would be your advice to our colleagues? How can we be allies to them? How could we be lending support to them? Yeah, so I think that's, it's a, a great point, you know, to think about the, the, I mean, it's a great privilege, right, honestly. And it's, it's a hard fought privilege, you're not to diminish it in any way, but um, it's, it is a privilege for us who, those of us who do have this kind of protected academic freedom. And so one good way is for us simply to um, help to be the voices for those who maybe aren't able to use their voice, right? And so we can continue to kind of speak up, you know, for lack of a better word, right? Be the ones that make all the noise um, about some of these issues uh, because we have you know, uh, this, this protection, right, that's embedded within our own jobs. Um, and so we can, you know, make, obviously we need to make sure we're in concert with these K through 12 teachers, right? So we're not like just speaking for them and over them. Um, but, you know, assuming we are, we understand what, what they're saying, their own concerns, we've spoken with them, which many of us do already. Um, so we're very connected with them. Then, yeah, again, using our voices, speaking up, we can we'd be the ones who kind of bring a lot of these things to the attention of legislators, right, to, to let them know that we disagree with these ideas to continue to help actually explain what critical race theory is and how it's used you know to to go against the these kind of false claims or exaggerated claims that people are making um so i'm really big into the allyship right i think that that in when you're in a space where you are the more privileged person or the more privileged group you should use that right um and that means maybe potentially putting your own privilege at risk and again for us that's great because we don't necessarily have that that, uh, that strain um, in our own lives. And so I think we can do a lot to speak up. Um, we can do a lot to kind of help talk, help them 
think through how they can adjust or change up, right? So they can maybe teach some of the same stuff that they want to, but like we were talking about before, maybe they have to readjust like language use or how they approach it or ensuring that they are maybe doing even more to bring in the perspectives of other folks and really helping to drive home, you know, the critical thinking, because that's what we all want, right? Even this these misguided laws that are coming down from DeSantis and others, right? They, at the core of them, they talk about teaching critical thinking, you know, and helping people learn in these ways. And so we can hold them accountable to that too, and right, to kind of push back against the system where some of our peers um, in, in K through 12 maybe aren't able to do so. Great, well, thanks. Uh, we know we like to keep these conversations short, so we'll, we'll end it here and, and hope that um, people will be inspired by this conversation and, you know, at least feel comfort going into the classroom, knowing that it's still their classroom and they are still clothed with academic freedom. Um, I would like to thank you for joining me today, Jonathan. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's been great.